What's going on guys? Long time no see. And while I was gone, as you can see, setup is different. But while I was gone, all, all these different news publications and stuff, they were all they were all coming out with their awards for the year. And I had one publication that made me fucking furious. Now, if you guys don't like harsh language, this is your time to sort of get, the, get out. Get out. These shitheads at fucking Sports Illustrated. What the fuck is your breakout fighter of the year? Jake Paul? Jake Paul is your breakout fighter of the year. So, if I could interject, Tyler, you're a young demographic of basically kids around the same age. That would be the generic fan of Jake Paul. What's the beef? Who has he beaten? He beat Ben fucking Askren? Tyron Woodley, who's a wrestler, a Division Three wrestler, who, who was good in MMA. I'll give him that. But again, it's a different sport. It's, it's like this. It's combat sports, but it's a different sport. You got four-ounce gloves, and you have the threat of the wrestling. In boxing, you have 10-ounce gloves, which doesn't produce as much power. And also, you have... Uh, and also, you don't have the wrestling to get these guys' hands down. So, he's really beating up on guys who don't know the sport. And, and yes, it's on them because they're accepting the fight. And I don't understand why they're feeding him. They're basically saying, I th it's basically the Ben Askren, uh, Ben Askren said before his fight, I don't think Jake Paul is a good boxer. And that's why I think I could beat him. If he's a good boxer, he'll probably beat me. He's what he's they, not. What did they list as a reason in the article to make him a breakthrough boxer? Oh well, the first uh, first paragraph said it all. It said, uh, "Don't." He said, uh, "Why, why would he have to fight top talent in boxing?" Like, That's like, like as Sports Illustrated. Like, let's call this kid the best. Why would he have to buy? He, he said. He said. He said. Stop. They said. Quote. Stop telling him that the only way he's validated is if he fights a real boxer. Stop saying if people, fight, if people who were at his own weight and at his own age, he would be smoked. Stop saying it, because why would he do it? So basically, so basically they're saying, because he's sort of a draw, which we're learning now he's not. He, he sold like almost like 200,000 copies, or 200,000 pay-per-view buys, for the Tyron Woodley fight. Absolutely dog shit. So he's not really that big of a draw. They're just, they're basically just saying because he's famous and he boxed this year, he's breakout boxer of the year. When you had guys like Jerron Ennis, who had two fights this year against top talent, one, one against Sergey Lipinets, who was 16 1 and 1 going into that fight. Knocked him out. Made him look like an amateur. Then a former champion in Thomas Dulorme. Knocks him out in the first round. And now he's a title contender in the toughest division in boxing. What, what weight Welterweight. That's where Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence. That's where you got your Dennis Ugas. Manny Pacquiao was just fighting there. Floyd Mayweather was there. That's... You say that again, and I will walk over there myself, and I will fuck you up. There's no way that Jake Paul is is beating anyone in that weight class. You got you got too much talent there. Like Terrence Crawford, we saw it against Sean Porter this year. Fucking, he is mega talented. You got Errol Spence, who we do have to see what he's going to be after his retina. But he's a killer. You got your Dennis Ugas, who just beat a legend in Manny Pacquiao. He's the killer. You've got killers here. And you know what people are saying about this guy? People are going to, like, there's this one thing I saw on Twitter. It said, uh, 
Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford are going to fight each other to get away from Jerron uh, Ennis. That's how highly touted this guy is. And for him to have those two wins to elevate him to that point, I think, I think right there, you, it, it's, it's got to be Jerron Ennis as your breakout boxer of the year. He broke onto the scene as a title contender in boxing. What's his destiny for 2022, if you had to guess? Uh, I would you think it's smart for some of these guys who it's like, it's an easy payday. No, Maybe. it's not an easy payday. It's definitely not an easy payday if you're fighting Jerron Ennis. If you're fighting Jerron Ennis, Jerron Ennis is the type of guy you avoid if you have a belt because he's the type of guy who will take that belt right away. He, he, the big thing with him is he's like a Swiss Army knife. So he'll switch stances on you, which boxers don't really do. Boxers don't like to switch stances too much. How often does he switch stances? He switches stances a lot, and he has the same power from both sides. You see it in the Delorme fight. If you watch that fight, when I, I wanted to watch that fight live. And I was like, okay, it's the beginning of the first round. I'm going to go get a drink, and I'll be right back. The fight's over when I come back because he comes in. And he lands a punch, a hook, right on the ear, drops him, gets up, starts wailing on him, and then switches stances and lands one of the slickest combos I've ever seen. Delorme's done after that. And that was when he switched stances to southpaw. And he landed one of the biggest power punches that ended the fight. This guy has power from both sides. He's got the athleticism. This guy's a fucking dog. And how many knockouts do you have on his overall record? On his overall record, he is 28 and 0. 28 and 0. Yeah. And nobody's 26 knockouts. 28 and 0, 26 knockouts. And these are all boxing prospects for the record? Yes. These are all real boxers. These are not MMA guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're How many KOs? I'm sorry. 26. 26 out of 28 wins. No losses. So Jake Paul has 100% knockout, technically. <laughs> he actually doesn't. Tyron Woodley went to a split decision. Then he got knocked out in the rematch. So yeah, but he's, 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 he's knocked out everyone he's fought. But also, in that second fight, before he knocked him out, which I'll grant it, that was a good shot. But before that fight, was that fight one of the boring, one of the most boring fights you've ever watched? Yeah. That shit was boring as hell. Jesus Christ. The, the most entertaining thing was when Tyron accidentally elbowed him. This is the sweep, too. It was he was like, of, what? It's kind of like... Uh, and then also when he got the takedown. When, they like, when Jake Paul tried putting him in a headlock. So he was like, you know what? I'm just going to take you down. And they got a warning for it. That was, that was the only entertaining parts of this fight. Now, we've seen crossovers from other sports going to combat sports and be successful, example, in being like Brock Lesnar. Like Brock Lesnar. But, but, like but Brock Lesnar, when he went into the UFC, he fought at a championship level. He was fighting real guys in that. They threw him to the Wolves. If you're going into boxing... And you want to be legitimized as a boxer. Like, if, if Jake Paul was doing this, if Jake Paul was going to the cruiserweight division and he was knocking out guys in that division, I would give him that credit. He's calling out little man Canelo. He's calling out Canelo Alvarez, which, again, he would get smoked. Even though Canelo's, like, 168. That was his last fight, was at 168. He'd still get smoked. But now he's fight, He's calling out guys like Nate Diaz. He's calling out guys like Jorge Masvidal. These guys are at least 20 pounds below him. In most circumstances, yeah. Like Nate Diaz is fighting at 170. Jorge Masvidal fighting at 170. He's also calling out Conor McGregor, whose last fight was at 55. So that's, all, that's like 35 pounds. Almost 40 pounds. His whole message is, let me get guys from a different sport that are way less in weight, and I'm going to fuck them up. 
And I still think Nate Diaz has, would, would probably beat him. I think Conor McGregor would probably beat him. I, I, if he beat those guys, I would say that's legit. But again, he's fighting wrestlers in MMA. Like Tyron Woodley did not come into the UFC and people were saying, that's the best boxer. He's a boxer. He, he, was, he was a wrestler. And you know what? At times he had a good right hand. But you know how he set up that right hand? Fake a double leg. Their hands have to go down. And then they go over top. Yeah. You can't do that in boxing. Wrestling threat would certainly be an interesting thing for him to deal with. Exactly. And if he actually does go to PFL and fights there in like whatever weight class, he would probably fight at like middleweight or light heavyweight, whatever the fuck. If he actually did that, I would respect it. I don't respect what he's doing with I don't respect what he's doing with boxing. And for Sports Illustrated to come out and be like, yeah, this guy is not really a boxer, but you know what he is? He's a breakout boxer. He's my breakout boxer of the year. When you got guys like Jerron Ennis actually putting himself in title contention, breaking out to become a title contender. The definition of breakout fighter of the year is Jerron Ennis. Like, uh, Sports Illustrated, piece of shit. How dare you do something like this to disgrace boxing? That's, that's, what's going to that's what's going to disgrace boxing. Not Jake Paul. Jake Paul is not disgracing boxing. What he's doing, it's fine. Let him do it. It has its own market. Can you but it as theater or competition? It's still competition, but... It's not high level. You're not competing at the highest level. Like, a, essentially, it'd be almost disrespectful for an amateur boxer to a pro boxer to consider him a pro boxing like. Yeah, basically. But there's a market for that, and I get it. You know what, Jake? I don't really care that he's boxing. Go box, and I don't care if you're boxing these guys. I only care. When you're getting shit like this, like Sports Illustrated coming out and saying that's breakout boxer of the year, that's like, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that, that, that Sports Illustrated is going to stain the sport the way people feared boxing, that people feared boxing would be stained because of Jake Paul. They're legitimately saying we're going to not credit real boxers. We're, no, we're going to give boxers zero credit for what they've done to legit boxers. And we're going to give all that credit to Jake Paul, who, and this is the last thing I'll say about it because it seems like I'm going in circles here, I, where I've heard this one quote that will always stick with me about Jake Paul. For a celebrity, he is a great boxer. For a boxer, he is just a celebrity. And I think publications like Sports Illustrated have to realize that and stop giving in to the dumb shit just for clicks. Seems like a cash grab to you. This is, this is a cash grab to try and get 14 or 15-year-olds to be like, oh my God, I want to buy Sports Illustrated. Yeah, just like sucking the dick from young YouTube. Like, you know what you could be doing with that? You could be promoting boxing. <laughs> you could be promoting fucking boxing. Because boxing's not as popular, which it's still doing well. Canelo's selling 700,000, 800,000 against guys that aren't really pay-per-view draws. Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter did really well. So boxing's not in a terrible state. But it's like... Jake, but Jake Paul, but you're giving in to Jake Paul when all that does is it screws up the pros, the the real pros of boxing, and you're giving all the shine to a guy who doesn't deserve it. <sighs> now that that's semi over, let's let's get into what real fighting is. So the UFC has scheduled a bunch of fights while I was gone. 
and they scheduled a pay-per-view for March. Aljamain Sterling versus Piotr Jan 2. Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky 2, which Max Holloway is actually out of the out of that fight because of a re-aggravated injury. But we're going to talk about Aljo versus Jan real quick. So people really look at this fight as sort of like as as sort of like this is Jan's this is Jan reclaiming what's his. And I think what and I think what he should be focused on or what people should be focusing more on is Aljamain Sterling had moments in that fight. Aljamain Sterling in that first round, if you remember, Aljamain Sterling won that first round. That fight was not like a blowout on the scorecards. Yes, Jan was up on the scorecards, but it was not a blowout on those scorecards. And also, now they have a common opponent. Because Piotr Jan just faced Corey Sanhagen. Aljamain Sterling got this fight off of his Corey Sanhagen win. Aljamain Sterling won that fight within the, within the first minute. Piotr Jan had to take all five rounds and take it to a decision. Sanhagen was making the exact same mistakes in the Jan fight and also the Dillashaw fight as he was against Aljamain Sterling. What he likes to do is when he gets up against the cage, like Jan will push him up against the cage, Sanhagen will turn his back. He'll turn his back to try and break the grip. You don't do that against Aljamain Sterling. What that proved when he did it against Jan and Dillashaw, and yes, Dillashaw did have an ACL tear in that fight. So that might have affected things there. But what it proved against Jan is that Jan does not have the same pedigree of jiu-jitsu or grappling itself than Aljamain Sterling. Aljamain Sterling is, going, is a guy who, you give him an opportunity at your back, that fight is over. He'll certainly chase the finish. Do you think um, Aljo not having Matt Serra in his corner for that fight? That was huge because, again, first title fight, don't have the guy who had the experience. Uh, Matt Serra has experience in these types of fights, the fight of their life where he went up against GSP. And he won that fight. So he has that experience of stepping in there. He knows the nerves. He knows the lead up to it. He knows like how it was to cut weight for it. He just has all that experience. And so not having him in that corner probably hurt tremendously. I can't say it was the full reason that he lost that fight. Because again... There was a little energy that was wasted in, that first, in those first couple rounds. He overexerted himself and sort of in not the right ways. I think if Aljo goes out and he does the exact same thing he did in the first round in this fight, what he has to do is he has to use it to push Jan against the cage, try and make Jan make a mistake, try and get his back the entire time. You have to use that pressure Use that freaking bat out of hell, whatever you want to call it, that type of energy in that first round that Aljo did. Use that to try and get his back. Because especially when they're dry, Aljo is a menace. In, Aljo is a menace in, when he gets to the back. And so when he gets, when he gets there, or when he's going at that pace, he's got to try and use that to his advantage. When what he did wrong was he kept what he was winning the boxing exchanges in the first round, and he sort of felt, "Oh, I got to stick with boxing. I got to try and box this guy because I'm winning this round." He fell into Jan's trap, and Jan does this against every single opponent, even against Aldo even against uh, Sanhagen. He's a very slow starter, especially when it comes to that first round. He's a very slow starter. So most guys win that first round. He's not going to get a 50-45 scorecard ever. He's going to lose that first round 
but he makes up for it because as you're a little gassed, he ramps it up. He goes from slow to fast from like the first round to the third round when guys like Aljo, they're going full speed first round and they dip off a little bit. And that's what Jan takes advantage of. But if you could take advantage of Jan here and try and make him make a mistake while he's at this slow level, the fight is very winnable. Jan also keeps a very high guard. Do you think there's a possibility to really try and work the body and go for more of a wrestling approach? Yes. Well, that's sort of what I mean by force it to your advantage. If, if he's holding that high guard, you push him against the cage. You make him make that decision of, oh, now I got to turn my back. And then once he turns his back, boom, you're on his back, fight over. Or you get him on the ground. And then you get a 10-8 round like that. You, you put it to your advantage. Aljo, what he did in the first fight was he just, he just thought he could kickbox with him in that first round. And yes, he came out like a bat out of hell. Yes, he won that round. But he played into Jan's... He played into Jan's trap because Jan knew Aljo wouldn't finish him. Not in that first round. Aljo, yes, has had power in the past. But does he have enough... Does he have fight-finishing power always? No. He has fight-finishing power over time. He doesn't have like that one-punch sort of, I'm going to wobble you. Like, with this one-punch sort of power. He's not going to, like, the way he, Marlon Marais knocked him out, he doesn't have that type of power. So going into this, this is actually more of a title defense. For, this is a title defense on the books. Do you think it's like, you know, maybe he can start gonna, doing it as the champion? It's going to play mind games on both of them. This is going to play mind games for both of them because Aljo is going to try to force in Jan's head that Aljo's the champ. And he's going to try and trap Jan into wanting to take his head off. And I think he's going to try and gas Jan out by trying to talk so much shit, which is sort of what he's been doing on social media. That's why Jan blocked him on social media. That's why Jan's been just calling him a bitch. It's... Do you think a DQ win for the championship should possibly get altered into, let's say, this situation happens in the future, you do strip Jan of the title, but you call Aljo an interim champ instead no. of a champ? No. There's always four ways to victory in a fight. Knockout, sub, decision, DQ. If you go to wrestling, if you go into the Olympics for wrestling, there were four DQs going into the semifinals. Did any of those guys say, oh, I don't think I won legitimately. I don't think I deserve this. No. They all said, okay, cool. I'm going on to the next. I won that fight. It's a win on the record books because the only reason it happened is because of your opponent. Your opponent lost the fight, which automatically makes you winning the fight. Peter, Peter. Piotr Jan, if you, had, if you did have a worst coach of the year award for 2021, it's Piotr Jan. Kick, kick. You're winning, you're winning a five-round match against your toughest adversary, and you have the option to illegally meet somebody. He's, and you take it. He looks over his coach, and they say, He says, can I kick? He goes, yes, yes. And then he goes, bah. And so, so, so no, I don't, think, I don't think just because it's a title fight, that changes, that there's now only three ways you could win. Fair enough. So let's see if uh, Aljo can go with a more championship mindset and pace himself better. And now it's also going to play mind games on Aljo because Jan's going to come out basically saying, I'm the true champ. And it depends on who, who gets into whose head. It's, it's who's going to get into whose head more. Is Aljo going to get into Jan's head? Basically saying, I'm the champ. Fuck you. You made a mistake. And I benefited off of it. And Jan's going to get angry off of that. Or is Jan going to be, come out and be like, no, I'm the real champ. And is Aljo going to believe that? 
That's all the media has been talking about is like, Jan is going to earn what's rightfully his. And it's really not rightfully his. He made a mistake in the fight. He got DQ'd. That doesn't mean he's still champ. That means he loses that. And me and my cousin were talking about this before. What if he does it again? What if he just, what if they're in the same situation? And what if it happens again? And I really, really what I, what, really what I'm asking this, what I'm asking this question for is, what does that mean for all the people saying Aljo doesn't deserve it? Are they going to turn their, are they going to flip their argument and be like, nah, I was with Jan on the first one, bad mistake, but now he did it again. He's a dumbass. He should go to the back of the line. Or are they going to double down of like, Aljo's such a bitch. He shouldn't be taking the DQ. Like there are still people arguing that Aljo should have fought through that. You know how crazy that is? He was visibly concussed. And I know a lot of people gave him like, and the Oscar goes too. Look, and I also, and I brought this up like last year when it happened earlier in the year when it happened. It was uh, John McCarthy and Josh Thompson on their podcast were talking about how concussions do not cause that reaction. They were using the example of Alistair Overeem against Francis Ngannou, saying Francis Ngannou knocked him out cold. Alistair Overeem got up and he didn't fall over. He didn't give that dazed look. The only thing I would give to that is a concussion treats everyone different. And obviously Aljo at a lighter weight class, smaller dude, doesn't have as much protection there for his brain. He's also in like a fifth round. He's also gassed out. He's also not gassed out. He didn't fully gas out, but he was tiring. You saw he was visibly getting more and more fatigued. So he's tired. He just got kneed in the freaking head. He's a lighter guy than Alistair Overeem. It could affect him in a way where he just can't stand up. I've seen concussions where guys just can't get up off the ground to begin with. So for him to even be able to get up and then go back down, I think is a proper response to a a concussion. I don't think that... I don't, think it, I don't think it was fake. And I know a lot of people use like the picture after the fight of him with the belt as like a token of, ha, I got him. He was lying. His friends made him do that. And I, and I talked about it with Pumi on the, la- the last time I talked to him. And he said, yeah, we were all out and they took... They took the belt for him. They took a picture with him. With the belt. They took the belt to him. It's, it, and also, it's impossible to go out and enjoy a festivity like once you're clear to leave. After you yeah, leave. he left the hospital and he's like... Can't, like go do and his, his friends were probably like, look, cheer up. You're, you're a champion. His friends were probably finding a way to get him back to being happy. And look, and I and I love the way Aljo hand, has handled it so far, because he has had a very up and down relationship when it comes to the fans, and I don't think he has the best viewership. Oh, is this one going to sell? Because everyone wants to see him lose right now. He has sort of turned the heel on people, and this is perfect because now that he has the belt, he gets pay per view points. So now he turns the heel, so people are going to watch and be like, yeah, I want to watch Peter Yan fuck him up. I want to watch Peter Yan knock him out. Do you think this is a very good disciplinary example of, like, why you shouldn't throw legal knees? If you, like, like, Yan obviously lost... Obviously, this is... Yes, that's, a, that's an obvious... This is an obvious lesson for everyone to just learn the rules. Doesn't matter if you're from Siberia. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're from. Doesn't matter if you're from Dagestan, Siberia, Georgia. I don't care where you're from. Read up on the rules. 
Cause it, all right, I think, I think we've talked enough about this uh, Aljo-Yan fight. I'll give my prediction in March when the fight is uh, closer. But there was another fight that was scheduled. It was Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky 3. I, along with so many other people, thought Max won the first fight. Obviously, we're not going to be able to see this fight now. Max Holloway is injured. So let's talk about replacements. There's a few guys who are in the running. The top three guys are Henry Cejudo, Charles Oliveira, or Chan Sung Jun, or the Korean Zombie, if you want to call him. A lot of actually the division called him out. Like this is not a, everyone in the division called him out. Not a champ. People are not looking to fight. This is a, this yeah. Do you still think he has paper champ? He just survived like a really incredible war with Ortega, and a lot of people think he really you know just does not actually have the win over Max in the second fight. He doesn't have. I I firmly believe that was four one Max. Biggest example of judging highway robbery yes. in the last decade, or just biggest biggest know? example. That was, I don't know how you saw that, because I think one judge had a 49-46. I don't know how you saw it for one Volk. Well, I know this. Do you think the same amount of people are calling out Max on short notice? No. Max Holloway. He um, proved it in the cater fight. Yeah. It's no. dangerous. This is dangerous. The fact that he can fight like 2 through 10. Basically, what he does is he broke records. Against Calvin Cater, he breaks records against these younger, these lower ranked guys, to where it's dangerous. Like we're gonna see Calvin Cater this weekend, and we'll get to that fight in a little bit. But this is gonna be the first fight since uh, it was basically a year. It's been basically a year since Calvin Cater fought. He had to take that year off because of how much punishment he took in that fight. I think that's the first fight I've ever seen scored fifty forty two. If uh, Giga gets through him, like steamrolls him fast, do you think he could possibly sneak in? Like no. touched first round finish. I think it's. I think he needs one more. He needs one more regardless. I think Giga needs one more. I think he'll probably get someone like Josh Emmett. He'll get someone. Yeah, he'll get someone like him or Yair. Do you think Giga's got a ground game? Probably. Probably got something, but probably not against an elite. Like, if someone who was elite on the ground, like Volkanovsky, he proved he can be pretty legit on the ground. I think Volkanovsky can control the pace on the ground. And so, you got... So, you, I think for Giga, he has to have someone... Like, Edson Barbosa played right into him. Because they both have the same exact style. Giga's just younger. And at this point, at this point in their careers, he's better because of age. Henry Cejudo has not lost a title fight in his last three for three fights, including win over Demetrius Johnson. Do you think he actually has the real claim to triple champ in terms of triple UFC champ? Because he already calls triple champ based on having an Olympic gold medal, which is a combat sport pedigree. Not a lot of other guys have. Obviously, he'd have to win the featherweight belt to be triple champ. I think, but I think. So, triple so, so this is the argument. Does the UFC need Volkanovski to have a high-profile high op, uh, opponent to sell this fight? Or, or can they come out and say it's going to be Korean Zombie and this, fight, and this card will still sell? Because there is rumors that this is only the co-main and they're going to do a three-championship fight, a uh, three-championship uh, card. So, do you think Triple C actually is a high-profile fight? It is. You think you, I, I think the, it, with UFC marketing, it is. By himself. The UFC can market this as either first-ever triple champ or Alexander Volkanovsky cementing his legacy more. Like, they can make this a legacy fight for both of these guys. And that will, like draw the audience as in like this is a fight for legacy this is a fight for your standing all time for Volkanovski it's for your standing all time in this division and for Henry Cejudo it's all time in the sport 
So if Lahudo breaks the internet, breaks the world, actually gets a win, does he just ride off into the sunset? Probably, which is... And then we get Max Volk 3 for this interim title. Probably. He gawks us to death. Pretty much, yeah. I don't think he actually... Do you think the UFC might try to do what they did with GSP after he won 185 and put a title defense clause in the contract? <laughs> they might. I, I mean, I, it, it, it would... It would See, that's, that's the reason why I don't think Cejudo is going to get it. Because he's always a risk of just saying after the fight, I've done everything I could. I'm here for the right price. But other than that, I'm out. And, uh, and just ride off into the sunset again. So he's always a threat to do that. So do you really want to throw him? Like you, I think what they really want is they want Dillashaw to get the belt and then have him beat Dillashaw at 35. He's certainly more than a dark horse. He's just kind of like interesting boogeyman factor. Yeah. Considering I think invested at 135. I think they're going to they're going to try and make the they're going to try and play this big brained and they're going to be like, "All right, Dillashaw gets the belt now." And now we're going to do the opposite of now Sahudo's going to go up to face Dillashaw. Does Dillashaw still get knocked out the same way? Or is that just because of his terrible weight cut and his EPO? I think, they're, I think the UFC is waiting for that. And that's why you haven't seen much movement on Cejudo lately. I think they're going to go either Josh Emmett, which is a long shot. Or I think the safe choice is Korean Zombie. Because I think... Especially with this being the co-main, if it actually is the co-main. You can definitely just put this as like a filler fight in the middle there and market it as like the three championship card. What do you believe would be the possible like thing you throw in there? Chan Sung Jung, Korean Zombie. I, I apologize, what would be the possible actual headlining title fight if it's not going to be... <sighs> 145 versus Chang Sung Probably Usman Edwards. Like they throw, okay. I think Usman Edwards main event. Yeah, that's, yeah, Usman Edwards. And then, uh, is, is, is this possibly the same card as Hamshad Burns that just got announced? Yes. Okay. So that could be so the, could be the backup. Yeah, easily. I'm surprised they haven't announced Edwards Usman yet because I know they were in the works. A while back. That's true. The UK might have stricter things now. Yeah, I mean, look. Once they sign the that's once they sign the dotted lines, that's when they're in camp. When they sign, that's their camp. So, I'm surprised that hasn't been like signed, sealed, and official. I don't know if it's signed yet, but like hasn't been announced that it's been signed. And I know Dana White even likes to announce things before they're even signed. So it's kind of weird to me that they haven't even announced it. But I think that would be perfect for that type of card is a bantamweight, featherweight, welterweight. Because then you got rivalry in the bantamweight division, a wash fight, featherweight, but then you got the rematch, Edwards, Usman. Can Edwards actually box his way to victory? Any other potential matchups you can put on this card? I haven't seen much. I could, I could look. It could, uh, could easily be, uh, could be on there. I just haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen much movement on that card other than the fact that they just scheduled this. So March fifth, two seventy two. Yeah, no. They haven't even updated it on uh, on ESPN that the three title fights are on, or the two title fights are on there. So, so I think I that's my official prediction for that is that because Max is out, they're not going to main event Volk. Doesn't have enough draw in the U.S. You think? I don't think so. Fair statement. I think I think Volkanov. Well, also Volkanovski now has the. Sort of monkey on his back still of the U.S. audience doesn't believe he beat Max. And Max has captivated the U.S. audience. 
And just honestly earned his place back. With so, and he just earned his place back with the, uh, what's it called? Rodriguez fight. With the Rodriguez fight. So you're... So I think with them making that the co-main, it just builds on an Usman card to make, because... Now, Rodriguez actually has a win over Chang Sung, so um, obviously doesn't have the activity over him, but showed on, like... Just lost. Way off, like, really, definitely, like... He showed his, he showed his worth in that fight. Also, we have, his foot might not be ready. True. That foot is, that foot was a... In the words of Conor McGregor, that foot was a balloon walking out of that fight. So, he, I don't think he's ready. You got... You got... Uh, Ige is fighting, I think, soon. You've got Emmett there. Again, long shot is Josh Emmett getting the shot finally. Which I think, I think Emmett needs one more to deserve it. Because he has the win over Burgos. And then he took a year off again because of that ACL tear he had in the fight. And then I think he won his latest fight. But, uh, but yeah, that, that card is going to be, it's going to be fun, especially if Usman's on it. Because three championship fights is always... One title fight away from being the... It's always... Go. Yeah. Go to the 170 division, no doubt. Usman does. Usman probably has like one or two more, which I mean, I don't think it gets him. It uh, it doesn't get him the record one more, but I think like. He ties it. I, does he? I think he ties it already. Yeah. So he has. So he beat Woodley. Then he had Colby, Masvidal. 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 No, it was Colby. Masvidal, Burns Masvidal, then Colby Colby again. So that's five. I thought he had 10 plus. Might be UFC record. It's undefeated in the UFC. I think he's 15 and 0 in the UFC or 14 and 0 in the UFC. Yeah, I know know he's undefeated in the UFC because he's explained why, why he has that one loss on his record, which was in his second fight, which the reasoning is because the commission came in before the fight and said, if you get choked out or knocked out, it's a six-month medical suspension. And he didn't do any jiu-jitsu. He, would, he just thought wrestling would win him fights. Guy got on his back, started tugging on his neck. Really wasn't in tight, but he heard the commission in his head, like, six-month suspension, six-month suspension, and he needed the money. So he just said, no, I'm going to tap. Live to fight another day. I need to make paychecks the next six months. Hasn't lost a fight since. Hasn't lost a fight since. And that guy who beat him is probably bragging about it back in like his home of, I don't know where. His home of Bumblefuck. But, but yeah, so he is undefeated in the UFC. Probably, he probably gets past Leon, I would say. And then, where do you go from here, from there, at, with with him after the possibility of him beating uh, Leon? I think probably gives him Hamzat next if he beats Burns. Definitely. I think Hamzat is on too much of a hype train. That the UFC is not going to let this go. They're not going to let him go too long without getting a title fight. They're basic. They're basically saying, "Okay, you're able to demolish people, but now can you do it against the top five? If he can prove he can do it against the top five, automatic title shot." With, I mean, he knocked out your sharp basically with a jab. Gilbert doesn't have the best head movement. Seems yeah, like, I mean, Gilbert already got knocked out by a jab. Yeah. And he also can like grab. I wonder. I wonder about that power though. Because it wasn't. It wasn't like Lee Jung Lang got knocked down before he got that. That was all wrestling. I wonder about that power because again, it was Gerald Mearshart. He knocked out. Far from like top fifteen status. 
you think he has that kind of approach where some people are not of a mental capacity to kind of understand the situation and they're beat before they enter the ring? Yeah. Kind of I think a lot of people feel yeah. like, oh, shit. Like, Gilbert doesn't seem like he's going to have that mentality. That that Gilbert, Gilbert's all, all Gilbert's yeah, focused on. Obviously, he signed the fight three times. Yeah. Leon signed it three times. One of them was because of him. Like, Leon got COVID, beat it, and then said, I'll fight him. Kamzak got COVID, fight canceled again. Then they scheduled it again in March of 2021. Canceled again, and then that's when Bilal got in. Because Leon was like, enough with this bullshit, I need a fight. But he signed the fight three times. Bilal needs a win before he gets up there. I think the Thompson win was. Probably. Or do you think they make Hamzat go through Bilal if he somehow beats Burns, or do they just go right to the title? If if Hamzat beats if Hamzat beats Burns, automatic title. Especially if he does it in dominant fashion. Hamzat loses to Burns in a three-round decision. Then they give him to Bilal. Then they give him to Bilal. Lose, loser of that fight. Oh, I think, I think Burns gets Bilal if he loses, and I think Hamzat. Yeah, like I think loser. I think loser of that fight gets Bilal, and then Bilal will be up elevated, and then depending on what happens with Usman Edwards, they might rematch Edwards with Bilal after that. And say, like, this is grudge match after Leon poked him in the eye. Yeah. And then Leon will thoroughly thrash him again. And... It was not trending in the right direction for Bilal. But no. Bilal showed massive wrestling improvements that yeah. you have to assume prepared. But again, also, Wonderboy Thompson is not the most well-rounded fighter. No. He's got, he's got great striking. Amazing striking. But he's not well-rounded. I think the one thing about Leon Edwards that's always a wild card is how well-rounded he is. Like, he's, he's sort of a jack-of-all-trades where, like, he's got good boxing. He's got good kicks. He's got good ground game. Do you think one of the aces up his sleeve is that there's not a lot of film in the UFC on him? A little. I mean, I think there's enough, especially that Nate Diaz saw. That he knew, like, there's going to be openings at some point. And I guess that's when the, uh, the last minute of the fight happened. Is where, like, at times he could get loose with his defense. But Certainly uh, a bit of an expose. I don't know if it was an expose. But it's definitely something. I think it's something for Leon. More than it is for the rest of the division. I think it's something that Leon has to look in the mirror about when he sees that fight. And he's like, I got to be cleaner. I got to be sharper. Because kind of just that, fight, that fight proved at any moment I'm vulnerable. I don't care how bad I'm beating that guy. And even though Nate Diaz did land a couple in that fight, Leon was winning almost every minute of that fight. Nate's a notoriously hard guy to finish, and I don't believe Leon's going to have the same relative four-round advantage over Usman. So yeah, so I mean, one of those things that so it's like you think like winning so much put you on autopilot a little bit. Possibly, I think it, he probably. Well, like you see, a team's up forty. Sometimes they'll let up two possessions, three possessions. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'll end up being it'll look the scorecard. The it'll score end up being like thirty-four to forty-six or something. Like, and then they're like, and then. People say afterwards the scoreboard doesn't reflect how badly they got beat. Yeah. The score, like that final minute, did not reflect how badly Leon Edwards beat Nate Diaz. Leon Edwards smoked him four rounds. That's something that the media definitely doesn't convey. No, because Nate Diaz is a draw. Again, the same thing as like Sports Illustrated pieces of shit. They're never going to bring up. Well, Leon was winning the fight. Same thing with Jake Paul also. Before he knocked him out, no one's going to bring up. That was a boring-ass fight that didn't produce anything before that. Interesting. No one will ever bring that up because he got the knockout. Interesting uh, question. Dana White, MMA's like certain like promotional 
messiah or honestly like greedy just holding back the actual sport as it grows and sense outside of the UFC like mixed martial arts is a now globally recognized sports Dana White is just the figurehead of the most recognizable name brand of it how many people actually consider you know fighting outside of the UFC as high of a pedigree considering there are snippets of where UFC fighters do not do well outside of it and most people could make an argument for UFC. I mean, always, always the UFC has the argument of if they leave the UFC, they were never good enough to be there. And we made the decision to cut them. Or we made the decision not to sign them because they weren't good enough. Like, with this, like, people were saying, like, how much does Jake Paul beating up UFC fighters hurt the UFC's brand? Dana White always has the trick up his sleeve, like, why do you think I got rid of Tyron? Why do you think I got rid of Ben? Or why do you think Ben's done with the sport? And then you have people like Demetrius Johnson who steamroll outside of the UFC. <laughs> exactly. And then they could, well, then they could always flip the argument and be hypocrites and be like, he was a product of us. And does it make Dana look even worse that he did an absolutely awful job promoting someone who actually holds the records in the UFC title? I don't think any, I think that's one of the most biggest kept secrets that the UFC is doing with this new age. For like people who are just coming into it, like I came into it at, I came into it hardcore at like 2019. The things Dana White is trying to keep from people like me is that, is that now he's he's trying to he's built this thing like I fixed it. I've I fixed my promotion, I fixed my promotional thing. I know how to promote people, but you're not going to know that I fucked up a few people like Demetrius Johnson. Like Demetrius Johnson, with how dominant he was, he should have been promoted like John Jones was promoted. As like this killer. But again, being at lightweight, at flyweight, being a sort of the situation, like I think that might be why my boy Pumi not, might not be in the UFC right now. Or is not getting real recognition. Because even on UFC, like, even the UFC with like the they brought out the like Fight Pass awards, he wasn't even nominated for Fight Pass Fighter of the Year. So something about like I think I think they I think they have vibes of Demetrius Johnson that they don't want to go back to because now they now they they never had someone like Demetrius Johnson again. They just sort of got rid of him and said like that's a blank slate. We're never going to get a flyweight like that again. The title now has changed it's, it's changed a bunch, and I think the UFC likes it like that because now they can promote it as one of the most competitive divisions. Yeah, we have other weight classes where someone immensely dominant is... Well, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's what the UFC is trying to do is they're trying to have a division where there's an unknown factor. Like the flyweight division, you don't know who's going to win on any given night. Like Moreno could definitely lose to Figueredo. Figueredo has lost to Moreno. You got Askar Askarov, who's waiting out there. You got Pantoja, who's got, who's, who's got two wins over Brandon Moreno. So you got parity. That's what they want in at least a couple divisions. And I think you're going to see that at a light heavyweight. Maybe heavyweight. Because I don't think Francis Ngannou is an unbeatable champion. I think... He has a couple more hurdles to go past. Again, Cyril Gaon is definitely one of those hurdles. If he gets past the Cyril Gaon hurdle, we'll come back to this and maybe I'll reverse that. Do you think but, Cyril Gaon could fall to make the category still relevant? Could Cyril Gaon actually, let's say he Francis, have that approach of this kind of like boring champion that doesn't really lose, he's too technical, he's too perfect. That point fighter style could be as boring as Demetrius. No, I don't want to say boring, but like... It couldn't have the lack of fan appeal because it's kind of over before it starts. Yeah. You just assume he's going to win and you don't care. Mm-hmm. Cause by like the, Definitely. Because by the fourth title defense for Johnson, it was like, oh, Mighty Mouse ain't losing. And they were right for another nine fights. Yeah. And when he lost, it was one of the most razor-close decisions. You could break down that scorecard as the closest scorecard arguably ever in MMA title fight history. Cejudo versus Johnson one yeah. or two was very 
was a, split by like a point if you're talking You're splitting about, hairs to try and find a winner. If you're going to talk about a cheap way to win, get someone who tore their ACL down, uh, tore, tore their ACL down and just lay on them. I could I could definitely see Cyril gone being a uh, being sort of someone that they and that's also their test. Maybe they maybe they don't want someone like Demetrius Johnson until now they have someone who's not sort who's not doesn't have the same fighting style as Demetrius, but has the same sort of pedigree. And now they now they sort of trap themselves to where now they have to figure out a way to promote this guy. Now, interesting question. You go to the female division. Yeah. And you have the Amanda Nunez, excluding the Pena upset. You have the Ronda Rousey. You have the Valentina effect, where people are loving line them up to the Wolves. It's not the same kind of like lack of draw. I, I, I think, think it's just because there's lack of not as many divisions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think with that, with the women not having as much of the product, it's sort of like a novelty still. Like that like women are fighting. It's sort of a novelty still. So people are like, whoa, there's a woman who's dominant like this? Whoa, there's another one? Soon enough. Because now it, there's rumors that the UFC is going to start an atom weight division. 115? 105. Oh. 115 is strong weight. 105 is... 105 is small. small. But... There's rumors that 105 is coming. Wow. Is there possibly more depth in 105 than yep, there would be? There probably will be because a lot of those girls are too small to play any other sport. Wouldn't be able to make one uh, a 155 women's. What? They wouldn't be able to make a 155 women's, you think? Or women's heavyweight making it? <laughs> most, most women like that, they're going to basketball. Yeah. They're centers. And they're and there's pro, there's not as much money in like the WNBA or something like that. But they could get they could pay for a full ride of school. And not get punched in the head, do they? Exactly. They're not gonna get CTE and get a full ride to like Penn State. Do you think with the rising popularity of the UFC that it's definitely not impossible? It's not impossible for Maybe like 10 years we get UFC women's heavyweights, like 185ers to 205ers. Like that's the women's heavyweight. I it, There's not going to be enough depth. You're going to get you're going to get some who want to. You're not going to get you're not going to get more than light. You're not going to get too many, especially too many good. Like again, you have to you have, first off, you need the fighters to be there. Second off, you need them to be at a high level. You can't just have got people who are like Mr. Jane Doe off the street being like, hey, I'm 185 right now. I was just homeless, never had training. I could be a 185er for you. So with MMA's popularity. You would have to have. How long until the jig is up for Dana White and co. And it's like cross promotion is wanted it's hungry for people are interested in it i think it, i think You've people are littered your ufc byproducts all over the place people are people want it now it's i i just think dana white has done a good job of scoffing at the idea i think espn overrides dana white and says you know what we're interested in cross promotion considering tfl now has networks have been the biggest defector of cross promotion especially in boxing we're good we're good we're but I think the UFC has done a good job of scoffing at the idea of cross-promotion to where, like, it, it hasn't really spurred controversy. Like, fighter pay right now is becoming a controversy because it keeps getting brought up. If people keep bringing up cross-promotion, cross-promotion, cross-promotion... What would AJ McKee be like in the featherweight division of the UFC? MVP and welterweight. You're going to get it at some point. It's inevitable. But, again, UFC has done a good job of basically being like, this isn't even a conversation. And people have been like, okay, it's not a conversation. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not that. Yeah, you're not. 
I don't think people are actually, there's, there's, they've never been in a talk like AJ McKee is in talks with the UFC for cross promotion. You've seen like, there's lawsuits right now fighting for fighter pay. So it's always going to be in conversations until they possibly get the Ali Act. I mean, you've seen Coker from Bellator, the owner of Bellator, basically make claim that his 205-pound division is easily the most depth. And, and he has a case. He has a strong case. He has a case. He has Vadim Nemkov. He has Corey Anderson. Adding Rumble Johnson, depending on whether his illness... will. Depending on his illness, if he's able to come back the way we saw Rumble Johnson, even though he did get hurt against that, I forgot the other guy, the guy he fought. But if he he still got hurt in that fight, but he still knocked him out. If he's coming back to that form, you still got Rumble Johnson there to prove it. Yoel Romero is still there, even though he lost to Phil Davis, who's another player in that division. That's That division is... It's crazy. So when you show people outside organizations for the first time, whether they're hardcore MMA fans or not hardcore MMA fans, yeah. I feel like if you break it down, the tournament-style format or the PFL-style format can explain it to maybe an average sports fan better yeah, than definitely. UFC kind of like... UFC is the definition like, of prize fighter. UFC is definition of you're a prize fighter... And I, and Dana White's like a dictator of the prize fighters. And the other thing, which is why in the in Bellator, they've they've tried it before, where they've set people up to try and meet up in the championship so that it creates more buzz. But they know it's not legit because they've done it before and it's backfired on them bad. And they've had like champions. They've had like the lower ranked champion, lower ranked people in their tournaments still get in, which I think is the biggest draw for this Bantamweight Grand Prix that they're starting because no one knows who's number one. Kyoji Horiguchi looked like he was the best Bantamweight in the world. Sergio Pettis knocked him out. Like one check hook. No, it was a spinning back fist that not after he like. He, like, faked a kick that, like, really was just, like, a step over. Which he's actually trained before. I don't know how you train to miss a kick to turn into a back fist. But, so you got, so you got Pettis who, so the Pettis is a, Pettis is a champion. Kyoji Horiguchi is still looking like top three in the world. You've got Hafian Stotts who just beat Magomed Magomedov, and Magomed Magomedov beat Piotr Jan. That's how good Magomed Magomedov is. So, Hafian Stotts beat him. So cross-promotion just seems valid. In a it does. But what I'm saying is that makes... That's why that like Grand Prix is so viable because you don't really have to pick and choose matchmaking to try and get the right matchup in the championship. Whatever, whoever makes it to the belt, it's a good fight. If it's Kyojo Horiguchi versus Pettis again, so be it. That's still a fun fight. A lot of backstory now. now if you got Hafion Stats versus Magomedov again, you've got revenge. Yeah. Can Magomed actually avenge his loss? If you could get Patchy Mix versus freeing Sergio Pettis, it's still good. Like, all these fights are good. And so, I agree with you. Showing people, like, Bellator's Grand Prix format sort of looks like college basketball. The college tournament. NCAA tournament. To where, like, you could... The bracket system, which helps. It helps. You could just show someone the UFC's top ranking and they'll be like, okay, this guy has this record, this guy has that record. And you're going to be like, wait, this guy's undefeated. Why is this guy with three losses at number one, and he's all the way down to number ten? And you're like, well, he hasn't had many fights, so he's like five, so he's like ten and zero. Oh. There's all these like very, you have to almost do a backstory and like. Yeah, you have to. The UFC requires backstory, yeah. which I think the UFC has sort of learned over the years. Is like if their product, the way they have it, is going to succeed, 
It requires every fight to have backstory. And then star power overpowering. Star power. Star power is included with the uh, with backstory. Yeah, like like Conor McGregor's getting this fight because he's the biggest star. Going up against a champion. So, like, star power would give it so that maybe you would only have a one-fight path to a championship. Yeah. As opposed to, like, a three- or four-fight path to a championship. Definitely. So, that's... So, yeah. Everything like in the no UFC... Free, it's like, no, in the UFC, free. it requires the backstory, which, if you're showing, like, a basketball fan that, you're like... They're just looking at it, and they're like, wait, so number four is going to fight for the title? You're like, yeah, but, like... The champion has already beaten one, two, and three, but number one just beat number two, and then number three just beat number five, so the only one who's left is number four, so yes, you're going to have to fight number four, so yes, he's going to have to fight number four. It, requ- it requires too much backstory, I think, for someone who's like a hardcore like football, basketball, someone like that fan to get behind. And the big thing I think that I've seen is most traditional sports fans are not MMA fans. They're starting to come around. It's still still not a thing. And usually cage fighting fans are not fans of traditional sports. So to see cage fighting now. So basically it's like, the traditional sports community stays away from MMA community. The MMA community just stays away from traditional sports. Usually. There is a little bit of crossover, but I think most, mostly they sort of keep their distance from each other. And I think if they sort of cross paths, the sport would be on the level of a... of a, like... NBA or something like that. Because even though the UFC is doing very well for themselves, they're still not making a fraction of what like the MLB makes, of what the NBA makes. If those fan bases were to cross paths, automatically you've got a sport that's going to... That, that would make MMA probably one of the most popular sports in the world. Would be interesting to see if someone outside of uh, football or outside of controversy just decided, you know, let's see what, you know, maybe, you know. I'm more talking about like fan base. Like if football fans started becoming MMA fans and now they've also, now they also watch MMA all like, and you can, and you can walk into a bar, turn to someone and you could have a conversation about like who should be number one in the welterweight division. If you like, like you're basically able to say, like, who's the favorite for the Super Bowl this year? Mm-hmm. Like, you could go into the bar, and there's gonna be someone there who will debate with you on, like, no, nah, I think the Chiefs are gonna win. No, nah, I think the Cardinals are gonna win the Super Bowl. There's always someone there that'll know. You don't have that with MMA. MMA is a tight knit thing that, like, if someone knows it, you're like, wow, cool. If that turned into, I could walk in the bar and be like, you think Leon Edwards deserves a title shot? And someone will turn around and be like, nope, I think Hamzat gets it. Or nope, I think Colby should fight him again. It's... It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen as often as you think. Yeah. But like, with baseball, you could be like, hey, so what do you think about Aaron Judge? And you'll have... Few people in the bar be like, hey, you're in Drudge, my favorite player, blah, blah, blah. Walk in the bar and be like, hey, John Jones. And you're not going to get many people be like, John Jones, greatest of all time. 